Hello, welcome to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. I'm Nate and I'm joined as always in my, my good friend, Josh. Hang on, mate. I'll get I'm that out. I'm very well, man. I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Uh, not too much, mate. Um, just blown away by the, the drops in the market. It's pretty interesting. So, um, Yeah, well, let, I mean, let's quickly discuss. We obviously got a topic to get through, but um, I think it's definitely worthwhile um, chatting about what's going on at the moment. It's the 10th of May uh, on recording day here. And, um, you know, so the volatility continues in the markets. Um, the US overnight, uh, massive drops on all three indices, you know, the NASDAQ, S&P and boards. And I think the NASDAQ was down something like that. 0.2%. So crazy, crazy. Yeah. Everything's down. Hey, like, um, I know we've, we've looked at Bitcoin a little bit and, you know, as much as I say, we've looked at Bitcoin, it's still something I'm, I'm not overly interested in, but it's, you know, it, it cracked below 30 again, I believe. Yeah, well, it, so I mean, I'm just look quickly looking at the Oz uh, version here, the AUD, uh, down 17% for the week yep. this week. So um, yeah, it dropped below 30 US, I think, for the first time in over 12 months. And um, yeah, you wouldn't be overly excited if you bought it at the high there of, what did it get up to, 60 or something? Can't remember. Yeah, it got uh, 67 US. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, so it was up, up around 90. Australian for the Australian listeners, but um, yeah, I mean, every asset has been really hit across the weekend and to the start of this week, it hasn't been, um, there hasn't been any really safe haven. Uh, gold was down even, which is typically considered, I guess, safe and probably a bit better than stocks at the moment. But um, yeah, what's what's going on, mate? What? what? I think, uh, I think um, you know, people are a little bit more worried about how especially in the US from what I could read, um, how quickly or aggressively uh, interest rates may be risen to offset the inflation. Um, and even mm. though, is it Jerome Powell you were saying? Um, yeah. I believe he came out and said, you know, that they wouldn't punch it up like three quarters of a percent uh, this month. Um, however, I think there's a fear that that's still going to happen. So yeah. uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I don't, I don't follow it all that much. Um, I try to stay out of like the, the news and that like i was even reading a lot of articles in a uh about like property and that and, and you know uh the, the guy who leads amp um and it, just the the language around it kind of annoys me so one thing that I, always gets me is like we just had like a what a 0.25 percent interest rate mm. uh, rise and they call it a hike and it's always called a hike as if it's just like oh you know we've just gone up Interest rates just went up a hundred percent, you know, because yeah. we were at a point one or something. So, you know, we're at point three five or whatever it is now. But it's just the the wording around it just creates fear, <laughs> creates yeah. fear in the listeners, and it's just silly. So, hey, what do you do? Yeah, it's been. I mean, it's a big it's a big news week over in the US. So, it's, things obviously were tailing off towards the end of last week, and then we had that huge big Bitcoin uh, crypto plunge over the weekend, um, and yeah, I think um, tonight's a key night in the US. I think the inflation data comes out for the previous month, which I'm not sure includes all the um, probably the Russian war um, setbacks and Chinese lockdowns. And so um, I guess there's two camps, one that thinks maybe inflation might be a bit better than expected. And in that case, um, 
you know, people believe the Fed will be a bit more dovish um, in, in hiking interest rates and thus the share market might go up. And then you've got the camp of, um, you know, if inflation's higher than expected, again, uh, well, well, the Fed will have to be a bit more hawkish and really start punching interest rates up. So yeah. the volatility yeah. will probably continue on with there, so. Yeah, definitely. And um, it'd be interesting to see if that volatility is green or red because we've had a, you know, a pretty big, pretty big week, haven't we? And I think um, most of the, looking at the US indices, most of them are down 10 to 20%. Um, From know, the high. Yeah, or well, this yeah. year alone as well, hey, yeah. so year to date. Um, so that's that's definitely a bull, oh, bull, sorry. It's definitely not a bull market. Definitely not a bull market, yeah. No, so, the Nasdaq hit a high of 16, well, 16.2 and it's yep. sitting at 11,600. 11, so, yep. yeah. And even looking at the Dow Jones Industrial, which is, you know, usually your less volatile kind of market, it's it's down 11.86 year to date. So, mm. um, hit a lot less than the other guys, but um, nonetheless, it it's, it's, a big, it's a big drop. Lots of people losing money. That's that's the thing here. People even the, even the pros, yeah. And what happens, you know, what happens moving forward when people start to get that real fear of losing money? Like we've seen that happen in two thousand and eight. We've seen that happen recently in twenty twenty. Mm. When it starts to, when you got a bit invested, especially like you know, a million dollars, ten percent is a hundred thousand dollars. It's not a, mm. it's not a happy loss, is it? No. Especially if you're heavy tech like the Nasdaq. Nasdaq year to date is down twenty six percent. You know that's you got a million dollars invested. That's two hundred and sixty grand gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're talking. Um, good time to have some. Um, I guess a bit of a wait list watch. Yeah. Not a wait list, a watch list. And um, you know, we're talking off air before about some, some of these big companies that have you know basically absolutely smashed it through COVID, done really well. And we're just yeah. looking at some of their their sums and what they've come down from their their highs. I mean, I think probably the most. The biggest one was Peloton. You were talking about Peloton. What, what's it come down from? Oh, like 120 something down to $14. So yeah. it's down 90% from its high. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that I, I personally think Peloton with its, um, its IP that it owns with regards to the scoreboarding of, you know, virtual fitness, I think that's a great moat. You know, I really do. But the company's not making money. Um, and now they're, I think they're struggling a bit for money. Like they're trying to, I think I read in the news last week, they're, they're um, looking at selling some more stock to raise a bit of capital. Um, things aren't looking great at the moment for them. So, you know, that, that could be a story inversion if it was a company you were looking at, but mm. yeah. Um, and, you know, even, if, even your big flyers, like, you know, we, we talked about Chipotle Mexican grill a lot, um, but, you know, they're down over 20%. You know, since, Holy, since what's it? yeah, so we had a high of nine thousand fifty-eight down to twelve hundred. So yeah, I mean, I mean, Chipotle is very expensive though, man. Like, um, it's still a sort of a P up around fifty for a yeah for a retail, uh, not a retailer, a um food and beverage business. Yeah, very I, expensive. I, I believe that Chipotle are probably the one of the best, um, you know, takeaway fast food in the industry. Um, just you know they 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 really care about the food that they use to you know on sell in their burritos and so forth um they're like a like a premium 
Mexican grill, you know what I mean? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're a good company. Um, they've clearly shown that they've got good management in the past. So I think they're a good company. I really do. But um, yeah, like you said, well expensive. Like yeah. I think they're still twice as much as what they're worth in my opinion. <laughs> uh, and, for, and for the uh, Australian listeners, um, Chipotle is very similar to Guzman Gomez that we have over here. So um, mm. pretty similar sort of um, yeah, yeah. business. Yeah. Yeah, some big stuff. Um, certainly be um, getting our uh, watch list together and um, making sure we are understanding the businesses we're looking at. And um, yeah, definitely. it'll be interesting definitely. to see if things go uh, down or up from here, but um, definitely it'll probably do both. For sure. And like like we discussed um, you know, last week with regards to, well, actually probably two weeks from when this one is aired, but um, you know, with regards to... Uh, the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, um, mm. you know, Buffett's buying. So it's, it's interesting to know that Buffett is buying at the moment. Um, yep. You know, and like looking at what he's doing, one of the one of the bigger deals, I guess, and seeing how low uh, Activision goes, you know, because we know that, um, yep. you know, that there is a current offer and it's been accepted. So there's a current deal going ahead um, with regards to, um, Microsoft purchasing them over ninety dollars a share. So you know that that difference between ninety dollars a share and whatever price it is could be a potential arbitrage opportunity. And, and Buffett sees that as an arbitrage opportunity. So that's interesting. Um, but um, yeah, other than that, like yeah, it'd be very very interesting to see what's going to happen in the near future. And you know, some really I think good companies are coming off the heat pretty hard. And mm. may produce some buying opportunities. Yep. Well, there you go. Uh, just uh, check it out. Activision Blizzard um, at $77. Yeah. So, that's so what a $13, $13 difference. Yeah. I think it was $95 share, might be. I, oh, I may be wrong, but um, but saying that they're still got a, you know, I guess at the moment with regards to a tech company, they're still got a P upwards of 25. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Cool, mate. Is there anything else we should um, wrap up before we get into our actual topic? I, I mean, that pretty much covers it. I mean, it's kind of hold on to your hats time and, and don't do anything silly. And um, yeah, you know, it's kind of currently just continue watching red on, on our portfolios at the moment for me, probably for you as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, full disclosure, I sold a lot recently. So, um, so. <laughs> albeit some, some in the red, but, um, that's not that's not saying that I, I think there's going to be a crash and stuff. I just think um, I, I needed to take a really close look at my portfolio and and um, with some, I guess, things that we've kind of learned in the last six months, um, really to to stick to our fundamentals a bit more. And that's what was included in um, my, my reasons. So, yeah. But just um, on the date, um, I texted you earlier, A2 Milk, which has been uh, one that we've talked about a few times. It's gone to $3 something now. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely not heading in the right direction. So just speaking of selling, um, that is yeah. one that you would not want to be holding, I don't think, if you were in around 20, know, 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's nuts. That's a massive change. That's that's yeah. like Peloton-like, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah I guess we'll... Uh, Let's let's chat about our topic today. A long time getting into it, but um, 
yeah, um, you know, all of this stuff is happening. It is quite a volatile period. Um, and some people may be thinking about selling selling their stocks down. And I guess, you know, we thought it'd be good to bring, you know, bring in our legacy investing philosophy into when and why you may sell a business. So mm-hmm. um, I think I think the the easiest way and like this is once again this is our this is our thought process around it and I know this is you know this is derived from Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and all of the investors great before and after them but like essentially why we would sell a business and when is the inverse of why we would buy a business so using those four pillars of buying a business if one of them change um and noting that one of those is price as well so that that's very um that can be hit or miss depending on whether you use the pricing to sell a business but yeah do you want to go over what the four pillars are again yeah so we got um understanding business we've got uh management we've got moat and we've got um yeah margin of safety yeah so essentially like it's it's really based on that it's has you know has it changed in a way that I no longer understand the business? Has there been a massive fundamental change to the business, to what they do as a business that I can now longer, I can now no longer go, right, um, I know what's happening here. You know, like Chipotle Mexican Grill turns into a car manufacturer. Like that's, that's a massive, that's a massive, massive, like, you know, probably a silly example, but you know, if something changes intrinsic to the company that you can no longer go, I don't know about, I, I know about this, I don't understand what's happening or something's really changed, that story's changed, um, then probably, you know, whether or not you sell it straight away or whether you look into mm. it. But like yeah. you know, legacy investing style, if something changes to a point where you can, can't be confident in your investment, then it's no longer an investment. Mm. I think... Um one of the ones that we've come across recently and really made us probably think and, and make, make sure we dig into a, even more, or maybe have it as, I think we did a podcast on a couple of, you know, maybe a month or so ago is management, you know, a change of management. Is that a, I mean, that's obviously a red flag, but um, you know, we, there's a few companies we like or have liked in the past. And I think recently over the last six months, um, management have left or exited um in circumstances that possibly haven't been very open or, or, um, you know, for whatever reason, it's not known, but that, that for us, you know, you're talking about the inversion of the story that, that starts to bring about some red flags and, and may definitely it's something you want to go, okay, you know, what do, do we still believe in this management? Um, you know, if this CEO is going out, um, walking out the door or has been ousted or whatever it might be. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, you can always look at their like track record from previous positions they've had, but ideally like it does take a bit of time to build up the trust in, in the management team. Um, and for the CEO being the leader of that, if they're, you know, if they haven't been trustworthy in the past or, you know, like they haven't done what's best for the investors, you know, you really want to trust and believe in them um, similar to why you bought the business in the first place. And, yeah, it is a big, it is a big worry. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where I guess moat comes in. That's the next part. But like, you need to have a moat big enough to 
have a crappy management run your, run the business you know mm. i think warren buffett says it like have a have a company with a big enough moat so that an idiot could run it because someday someone will you know and um at the end of the day like that's that's how it is and, but yeah management is so important because they're we're entrusting them with our money and yeah. if they're not doing the right thing with our money then it's it's not a great investment so, yeah Trying to think about a, an example of where uh, a moat has been broken in a company, but uh, nothing's coming to mind. Um, well, probably BlackBerry all those years ago. Yeah, when the iPhone first got released, I think a lot yeah. of phones, whether or not they had moats, yeah. you know. Kodak, um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you know, you look at Blockbuster when Netflix started mm-hmm. getting big. Yep. You know? There's things like that, massive, massive changes to industries. And you, you see yeah. a lot of companies just lose their competitive advantage in mm-hmm. that massive industry change. And I guess that, yeah, that comes down to the third part, which is the moat gets broken, you know? And um, if if you're invested in a company where, you know, you're you're selling the, the, the cart for the horse and then Ford comes out and makes a, a car, you know, like you're in, you're in the wrong investment. Um, yeah. So... You might have had a big moat, but now there's a car and nobody's going to want your product anymore. Your mm. moat is gone. So, you know, example could be a bigger and better new competitors. Um, yep. You know, they're disrupting the industry in a way that's going to be massive in 10 years and mm. your your business is going to be nothing. Yep. Brand tarnished, you know, like companies have big brands. If they if they do something very untrustworthy or they, they really screw up big time, um, then do they have a moat anymore? You, know, you mm. really have to assess that. So that's probably a few examples for the moats. I think um, I think Facebook went through a, sort of a brand tarnish, maybe um, whatever it was, six, 12 months ago with um, um, sort of around security and stuff like that, I think, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, maybe that was part of their rebranding strategy. I, I don't know, but that, that's one that comes to mind on the, um, you know, they, they were a little bit tarnished, that brand itself. And, you know, still they got they're a juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talked about you know, we'll talk about last week in terms of um you know how many users they got each each week or each day it was. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got you know much more than a brand moat in my opinion. Um but the you know the brand moat, you know, Facebook, um, Instagram, like two of the biggest platforms ever. Um but yeah like they've also got you know what we talk about as a network mode or you know secret network mode um and that's just where you know the platform itself is going to generate more users the user is going to talk about the platform itself which is going to generate more users and it's just a win-win situation for them in that instance but i think the the interesting one to talk about here is uh you know the margin of safety price Um, Mm. because you know from our point of view that doesn't have to be a reason to sell a company Um, so i guess a way to look at it is, you know, the story changes when the price has well exceeded our sticker price, being the, the value we put on the company. And there's a few things to note with this is like, if the if the company, sorry, if the company is still a great company, it's a wonderful company, it's still compounding your money, then is it worth holding onto for forever, regardless of the price? You know, if it matches your values, like Warren Buffett talks about, you know, the ideal investment is, investing and then never selling that company and he's done that with some companies so mm. if it's that great then just because it's having an up bullish period is it worth selling 
Um, yeah. I guess it just comes down to what you want in your investment portfolio. So, yeah, I found this one tricky, mate. Um, in terms of um, you know, selling a company or, or taking you know taking profits, or are you talking about selling completely out of the company or, or taking profits? Because that's oh, probably yeah, either either. Hey, like you could easily take your profits down to your basis being zero in the company, and then mm -hmm. you, know, you know everything in there is all winnings. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I find this one tricky because, like you said, you know, if it's a good company and and um, you know, it gets probably maybe a bit um too much heat in the in the company or the share price. Um, you know, it, you know, I, I always find it a little bit tricky to sell. Um, you know, you obviously you get pinged capital gains tax, and and um, the other thing to consider too is if you've held a company long enough, um, the dividend returns each year are, are, can sometimes be, um. You know, fantastic. I mean, you look at um, Buffett and sees candies. You know, he's his his dividend returns each year now are almost exceeding his um or are exceeding um, initial investment. Initial investment. So there, there's a good reason to not sell a, a really really great company like that in terms of you're just getting great dividend growth each year and it ends up almost exceeding your capital if not doing that. Um, so yeah. that's this is one that I I do find tricky and. We we do follow Phil Towns. He he would he's in the camp of selling. Um, I think he would, you know, yeah. But just listening to his um, podcast and reading his books, he definitely, you know, he he often is out on a on a company. And probably the best example is Chipotle. He's I think he sold at five hundred. I mean, he's he's lost all, you know, he's lost a big um, big game. He went to eighteen hundred or whatever it was sixteen hundred. So yeah. I don't know, you can't miss out if you if you sell a really great company like that. But then, you know, for him, he just doesn't want to um I, I guess rule one, don't lose money. Um Yeah. I think I think a real like a way that I look at this is and you just nailed it before, like the longer you hold a company, if it's if it's a great company, those dividends or whatever return you're getting on that company is going to be just compounded, you know, over time. Um you know, you're beating inflation most of the time. But there are a few ways to look at it. Like maybe the price did come be so out, like become so outrageous that, you know, when we do our valuations, we predict the price in the future in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And maybe the price now has well exceeded that price in the future of 10 years. So maybe it's worth mm -hmm. doing another look at the company, a revaluation of the company, see how it's going. But like, you know, one, one I guess, fundamental thing is what don't sell no i'm not gonna say don't sell one fundamental thing for me here is like if i'm looking at selling you know if i think that the company is still a great company but the price is just outrageous um, and i've got a big capital gain there that I'm, I'm happy to take have i got money have i got another company to move that money to because if i'm just taking it into cash then i'm yeah. losing i'm yeah. losing it to inflation so it's like why yeah. why would i sell a great company because I think it's overpriced just to have cash. It's, it's my, in my mind, it's pointless, but yeah. um, you know, that's, that's a big, that's a big reason why I guess I may look at selling is if it's like, all right, my company that I've, I've bought and it's now 50% over what I value it at today, but I've got, you know, X company here that is well below its margin of safety price. And I think it's a great company. Then, then it kind of makes sense then to, you know, sell that other company to move the money to this other company. And, you know, Better opportunity, yeah. 100%. Like, if I was to say like a few examples, 
you know, of what you could look at if you're willing, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to be aggressive, then, you know, and you, you, you know, maybe have a, a little amount of capital to start with and, and you want to be really aggressive and you know, you've got a few companies that, you know, be, you believe are on sale. It's just like aggressive thing would be to buy at your margin of safety and sell it as soon as it hits its intrinsic value so you can move that capital then to another company mm. to buy it at its margin of safety and so forth. Or maybe, you know, a bit more less aggressive could be, you know, you buy it at its margin of safety and you sell it once it hits 50% above the value that you give it, you know, because then you think, okay, it's a bit it's a bit more thing that I, I valued it conservatively anyway. So maybe this is like where its value is or it's over. What, what not you could potentially look at creating cash flow by selling call options to um you know create that cash flow until it does go over that value so you're lowering your basis and making more of a capital gain but mm. yeah at the end of the day i think we as a legacy investors we look at buying a company as long as that story doesn't change we're happy to not sell it yeah the, the other reason we probably and we touched a bit on it on our sort of um barber podcast a few weeks back is tax harvesting um mm. you know you see the big the big guys do it quite often um you, you know munger sold quite a few shares in um barber and we're not sure if he bought the hong kong ones but that that makes total sense to sell um the adr on the on nasdaq and you know tax harvest and then put it into the hong kong um alibaba if that's what he did but I guess that's probably another reason. Yeah, definitely. And, and another example is that, like we also talked about, was like Monash Pabrai, who, you know, sold Alibaba at a at a loss. But, you know, rather than doing the traditional tax harvesting, because you have to wait 30 days in America, you have to wait 30 days um, to, to buy the company again. Otherwise, it's, you know, illegal tax-wise. He moved his money to a company that he thought was better in Tencent. So, you know, that's that kind of thing. It's like you can take a loss in tax harvests um, if you've got another opportunity. So another reason to potentially sell. Shift it across, yeah. Definitely. But there was one, if I could say, one, you know, big, big thing that popped out there is one thing that was a constant in every single one of those, and it comes down to our philosophy, um, our principles, is always buying at the margin of safety. You know, that's that's the protection against the downside, isn't it? Just to find so just to define margin of safety again, if um you know, if you go back and listen to our first few podcasts that we've done, but um margin of safety for us is is like you know, we, we come up with a uh, I guess a sticker price or an intrinsic value of that company and then we discount it fifty percent and that's what we call margin of safety. So um essentially we're trying to get a fifty percent off sale um on on stocks which is has been hard to do and is getting a bit easier actually there's 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 quite a few companies out there at the moment in this um sell-off this year um that are that are starting to hit margin of safety prices um yeah in our opinions yeah for sure getting, getting a little bit exciting it is it is um yeah and you know personally i'm i'm excited to start dipping my toes into a few of these companies and you know i I, I I rate a few of these tech companies that have come off the come off the burners pretty hard. You know they've got P's under fifteen now, and, and yeah. you know tech, especially tech, generally over the long term have had higher P's than the rest of the than the rest of the markets. And I know we don't only just look at P ratios like that. 
<clears throat> that's just a number which helps you get a gauge of what's happening. But yeah, these companies have PE ratios lower than the market's average long-term PE. Now. So mm. really, you know, which is 15, right? Yeah, 15. Um, the Schiller, the Schiller PE ratio, um, which is adjusted for inflation, um, long-term average, like from the start of it being a thing, was um, 15. So yeah, interesting. It is interesting. That's amazing. That's a great wrap up. And, um, you know, essentially we are, you know, we've just sort of gone through a few uh, reasons why we might, um, why or when we might want to sell a, a stock or a share or, you know, a business. So, um, yeah, thanks, mate. I, I look forward to, um, look forward to catching up next week and sort of maybe we'll probably end up doing a bit of a wrap up of the week again. There's just so much happening again in, in the markets and you got this big, um, macro story and inflation and recession and there's just so much going on so i'm sure we'll do another quick wrap up next week definitely definitely and i just want to do a big shout out to our biggest listener base um knowing that you know we are in australia right and um, our biggest listener base uh actually in the united states so over 55 yeah. percent of our listeners are in the united states and uh yeah just a big shout out to you guys appreciate it yeah awesome team Good job. Some uh, picking up to do Australia. We're only at thirty-three <laughs> percent. Oh, where's all where's all our peeps, our, our friends, and they probably tuned in and then have tuned out. Yeah, for sure. And I think we talk we talk a bit more about the American markets as well. I just, um, I don't know. It's probably more exciting. So <laughs> we'll get we'll add a bit more Australian flavour, and then well, that's yeah. probably me. You follow America much more um, than than I do, but um. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a, a thing that we do well then, you know, like you often bring more Australian stock, like stock market and share knowledge. And um, I, I spent a lot of time researching American companies and um, I listen to a lot of Americans when it comes to that stuff. And you listen to a lot of Australians when it comes to your research. So I think it's a really good mix that we, we come in with and um, you know, it, it is interesting, but over 50 countries now, mate. Over 50 countries have downloaded this podcast, so congratulations. What's the most obscure country, Josh? Well, I've got it up here, so I'll just name right, a right. few. Um, you know, Canada and Germany are uh, some of the high ones, Netherlands. Yep. Um, we've got listeners from Sweden, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, the Philippines. Try and find some very uh, – Andorra. Um, oh, tiny country between Spain and France. Well, oh, the you, know, you know, you know your geography. Tiny right? in the Pyrenees. <laughs> I'll come there one day. We'll uh, ride some, um, ride the Pyrenees. Oh, awesome. Um, I will say a little bit disappointed in New Zealand. Come on, guys. Um, less than 1%. Um, Estonia, Hungary, oh. Poland, Israel, France, Bulgaria. You know, there's a, there's a good range of com uh, countries there. Global. So. Global. Gee. Yeah. We we might need to um talk a bit more broader uh, in terms of um not just US and Aussie, mm. but the philosophy works in any market. So um yeah, that's exactly right. It works in any market in any country. Uh, we've talked a bit about Chinese stocks as well. So um you know maybe we can get some more Asian listeners. Awesome. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Legacy Investing Podcast. Uh, we look forward to catching up again next week. Thanks, mate. Look forward to it, mate. Thanks for another week. Catch up. All information on the Legacy Investing Podcast is the opinions of the hosts and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. 
It is not intended as a substitute for professional financial, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Legacy Investing Podcast and any contributors to the podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should consult a licensed financial professional.